This is Adam Gorney on the Rival Signing Day show here with former Colorado quarterback Cordell Stewart, former NFL quarterback, a, a whole lot of things here. And we want to talk about a lot because it's a busy time for Colorado. But first, we want to talk about the miracle at Michigan. That, that is what it's all about. And I watched it last night again just to refresh. And I know it's clear in your mind, but Keith Jackson was on the call. I think you threw it from the 26 and it got to the one. Uh, did you think you got it in the end zone? Just kind of rem remind us all about that throw. Well, to, to follow up on what you're saying, the, the, the trajectory of the ball was actually going, it was actually going into the end zone if it continues to go, right? So right. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you practice it in practice. Uh, you, talk it about, you talk about it with your coach. You want the perfect situation and scenario. And how we ran it in practice, it was kind of like a walkthrough. The guys would be at the minus 20, the plus 20 yard line. I would be at maybe the 40. And the guys would walk, Rick Neuheisel would walk the guys to their positions, preferable positions. And it would be me just throwing it up in the air, literally trying it, throwing it up in the air, seeing how far I could throw it in the altitude in Colorado. And It'd be a discussion exactly literally the way you saw it now the person that you probably would say would have a chance to get it through all the minutia that you have with the three receivers on one side and the one coming from afar is that one the one coming from afar it's the battle of these three our three guys and their defensive backs to this one dude that no one really sees coming right um end up being able to get tipped and go off you know, into the tunnel and, and act like we've done something real. Well, it actually happened that way. Just flipped it over. Michael Westbrook being on the outside of the three receivers. Uh, Blake Anderson ended up tipping, you know, be a part of the tip, being a distraction, so to speak, because that's his responsibility to the front man. And then Mike came around with the Hall of Famer, Ty Law, on his hip. And, you know, Mike had a great game that day and ended up making arguably one of the greater catches in, in college football history, truthfully. So, so that the intention was to tip it. The, the, it wasn't just kind of a scrum and then the ball kind of flew to Westbrook. The intention was to kind of tip no. it back. No, it's a Hail Mary pass. So all Hail yeah. Mary pass, just to let those who don't understand Hail Mary pass, it's not always about just the person catching because there's so many hands that are right. flying in the air to knock it down. So it ends up, that's why it's called the Hail Mary pass because it's a prayer, right? It's a, it's a throw in a prayer. Not a wish in a prayer, but a throw in a prayer. And... It ended up happening the way you talk about it. You tip it up. You know, that's why you know this guy's swatting it down, right? Because they yeah. know the other guy's trying to tip it up. They say, let me get my better jumper, my best jumper to go up and get it out of the air and, and pull it down. And, 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 and that's what happened. So we call it tip left because the ball was on the right hash. We threw it to the left. If the ball was on the, on the left hash, we would call it tip right. So all intended purposes, most catches may fall into the lap of a player it's very seldom you actually see the tip yeah. and it actually happens perfectly. It literally happened exactly, I promise, to a science of how we want it and wish it could happen, not knowing who would tip it, not knowing who would catch it, but the content, oh, the way content is on social media today, like, you know, podcasts and all that good stuff, we make $100 billion off of that, man, because the content yeah. was perfect. It's what you draw up in the classroom. In the on the board so it was perfect it was perfect i know you're gonna say yes and, and throwing it in boulder with that thin air 76 yards it could be done ann arbor was a little different did you did you feel like you could get it there was there confidence that this could possibly happen most definitely most definitely yeah. like like seriously like i know many may say oh no way you know or or you know we don't see that happening often well that's that's what we did you know that's that's what i had you know was an arm that was strong and was capable of truly throwing the ball on any portion or part of the field. And literally after making that throw, not so much in practice or at home playing baseball and stuff like that when I was young, but to do it when it mattered, yeah. brought so much more confidence in my arm strength because you did it in a moment in time where it ended up being the result of a win, right? Uh, and you're the first that actually calling out the number exactly where the number supposed it was thrown from the ball was released from my hand from the minus 26. Yeah. You gave me two more yards and I love you for it. It was from the minus 26 yard line. So that technically was a 74, 74 yard yeah. pass 
in the air. I ain't, I'm don't, I don't want the official line of scrimmage conversation because right. it took about an extra 10 more yards and a more, a little bit more firepower or even nitro, you know, to get that thing to jump the way it did. But, uh, you know, they talk about the Doug Flutie pass. And, okay, all right, that's Boston. That's ESPN. You know, they're going to yeah. jump that thing really good. And a few others, like the LSU to the Cal Stanford. But if you turn the volume down and you're speaking of a Hail Mary pass and you see the clock and you watch the play, pandemonium. It was, yeah. it was, it was crazy at its finest moments in a place where Bill McCartney coached, a place where – Michael Westbrook was record, uh, recruited because I think he was from Flint, Michigan, I want to say. Um, and to then go into their house, Lynn Swan, the great Lynn Swan, uh, Steelers Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame receiver, was actually covering the game with ABC on the sideline. So I'm mm-hmm. like, this feels pretty darn good. And the stadium yeah. was so big compared to our stadium in, 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 in Colorado. You're talking about it's seating 100 plus thousand people. And to be in that sea of blue and gold, you know, as they say, go blue, I, blue and gold, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But to have that happen in that moment and all the, the things that were transpiring us with great numbers, but not being able to get it done earlier than that, uh, to come to that play, it would be arguably with so many great moments in Colorado football history, yeah. you know, whether it's the national championship teams and the things that they were able to accomplish and from 89 to 90, uh, going back to 88, a Liberty Bowl to, to even taking it over to the two Orange Bowls against Notre Dame. But you're talking about this one play consistently. That 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 is that is remarkable within itself and humbling to know that we still are remembering that play uh, and what it does mean to my institution, let alone my teammates that was a part of that play. Yeah, let's talk about that and where they are today. I mean, you never had a losing season there. Bill McCartney was, you know, a Hall of Famer. Um, what do you make of the Dion hire? How excited are you for, for you to see what he does there? And, and you know better than anybody, what does it take to be successful at Colorado? Well, you have to get those. See, Colorado is a very special place, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Boulder or yeah, to the state of Colorado on vacation. It's second to none. And you know, it's considered one of the, for college students, uh, the number one party city in the country, right? And, and, and for the right reasons, you can tell why when you took your visits and how much fun and how comfortable it felt to be in an environment that was so peaceful, if you will. You know, I'm from New Orleans and, and my, my city is peaceful as well, but it's different, yeah. right? Uh, you have creeks with water is about as clear as the water and water bottles that you buy from the store to the mountains, they still are sitting in the same place that they were sitting when I went there back in 1991. Um, the air is just as crisp as it gets. Uh, the lifestyle is is a first-class lifestyle. And to be able to be a part of that, um, it's unbelievable. Now you add Dion and then Coach Mack being a godly man and promise keepers and, and all the stuff that he's his life was surrounded around kind of instilled in us and, and made us feel comfortable as young men being in a community such as that one coming from New Orleans or coming from parts of Miami, parts of Texas and Compton and Watts in California. You know, you're, you're, you're asking these young men that come from different environments and backgrounds to adjust to this type of a community. So to have the Mad Dogs, you know, Jeff Madden, who's, who was our strength coach, to the Coach Lucas's, you know, to the Tim Lewis's, you know, all these different coaches that look like us that allowed us to feel really, really comfortable in that community, which it wasn't about that, but it makes you feel comfortable knowing where you came from, you know, and who could I talk to can relate. And, and they just won a national championship. You had Darren Higgin as a starting quarterback uh, with Charles Johnson backing him up. You had Mike Pritchard and, you know, all these different, O.C. Oliver that was a part of that run. Um, you had all these players George Hemingway, fullback, 6'3", 200 and every bit of 45, 50 pounds in college, you know, uh, to be able to be a part of that and know the success that we've had then, to know Dion and the success that he's had, whether it's with the youth, whether it's with the high school, the school that he had, uh, to Trinity High, where they've gone to state championships pretty much every year and I think maybe won three out of four, 
to then taking that success over to uh, Jackson State and and see a community that was struggling when it came down to wins and success. And the only success that you can think of, truthfully, if you're thinking about Jackson State, is dealing with someone like a Walter Payton, right? And so when you have all these different, you know, angles of, of, of what you're having a chance to be a part of there in Jackson State, now you take that energy and now you put it into a place like Colorado. Come on, dude. I just gave you a full story to let you feel it. You know, I could just answer yeah. it and get straight to the point, but I wanted you to feel it because that's what Dion is, is, is experiencing with himself. You saw how elated he was when at his presser and talking. I know him personally, we spent a lot of time together. We traveled yeah. together, vacationed together in Puerto Rico to Florida at boat shows to, you know, spending time with Shiloh and Shador when they were little toddlers, when they were, uh, 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 when we were going to, we were at Baltimore together and, you know, a lot of calls and cracking jokes and having fun, you know, and, and to see a man of his liking in the sense of what he believes in and what he's about and raising these young men, the stories I gave you about where we came from and how things were adjusted for the portal and regents and not just for the student athletes, but the students as well, it's going to bring revenue in, you know, it's going to bring in that type of athlete uh, that based on the, the, the criterias, if you will, to get in has been kind of softened a little bit, if you will, so that the relevance of football can be as profound as it used to be. And the excitement that we have now is similar to what we had back then, but social media, you know, and podcasts and, and being able to talk about it all day, every day, as I'm sure you've seen Dion and I, we did a podcast together. Uh, we did a live, I'm sorry, Instagram live together. And, you know, talking about he asking me to come back to work with Shador um and, and be a part of the program in some capacity I, i'll let him tell that story but i don't know yet but just to be a part of it and get that phone call and him giving me my flowers now it's 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 different man it's different yeah. bro and i can't put it in words any better because it's it's a uh surreal moment for me as a buff but most importantly my friend being able to have that job and and bring relevant facts to my institution cordell real quick on the podcast talk about on the edge with slash and the Believe Me podcast, what you talk about and where it's going. Yeah, man, it, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. I have a platform to be able to talk about sports. You know, the it's on the Believe Network. It's B-L-E-A-V, as you see on the, on the screen here. Um, the On the Edge of Slash is my own podcast where we talk about everything sports, you know, whether it's college, uh, whether it's the NFL, and even talking LPGA and PGA golf and basketball, whatever we choose to go with. And the Believe Me Network, as you can see on the screen, uh, is, is, is one that's about betting, right? So you have the professional gambler, uh, you have the host of the show, and you have myself, um, the former player, that talks to the host of the show and say, believe me and why I'm right. So like the Jacksonville game against the Dallas Cowboys, I said, believe me, that Doug Peterson has ignited some energy into this team with being able to get two-point conversion in closing moments a game that creates confidence to then all of a sudden i said they were going to beat the dallas cowboys and everybody's like well i'm gonna let you have that one and i'm like believe me it's gonna happen and lo and behold what happened this past weekend jacksonville ended up beating the dallas cowboys and so now they play the jets and i said they're going to win this one too and believe me they're going to win that one too so you can uh come on in and listen to us listen to me and uh get some real good insight on, on what we think about the game, most importantly, uh, but yet having a chance to talk about the betting side of it and, and, and how you can have a chance to win some big bucks. Don't blame us for your decision, but we can at least steer you in the right direction, and that's what we do. Hey, if you predicted that pick six, then uh, you got all my money, and I don't have any. So uh, <laughs> You don't need that one. I'm not that good. you know. But I'm right. good enough to say they were going to win. I'll take that part, but I'm not that good. <laughs> awesome. Cordell Stewart here with Adam Gorney on the Rival Signing Day show. This is Adam Gorney on the Rival Signing Day show here with new Nebraska coach Matt Rule, and that feels good. It feels good to have you on the show. It feels good to have Nebraska represented here, and and you've been around. Uh, you you know how it goes. Uh, have you ever been around a place though in the last few weeks with such passion? Some some would say lunacy. The the expectation there. How how invigorating is it to to see uh, and be a part of this program now as the leader? Well, it's an absolute honor. Um, I think when you get here, you get into the state. You immediately walk into this building, you walk by five national championship trophies, uh, you walk by three Heismans, and you 
have an immediate sense of what's possible here. And, um, it, you know, you, you feel honored to represent the state. The people are passionate. The fan base loves the players, loves the team. And uh, I think all the guys that chose to sign with us, uh, I think they definitely feel that. You've been a part of rebuilds. At, at Baylor, it was n- nearly an impossible rebuild, and, and you got it done quickly. Is there, is there a science to that? Is it just really about culture and bringing in the right players? And, and how do you kind of move that forward here at Nebraska now? Yeah, I think it's about getting the right people on board. I think it starts with the staff. Um, and then and then in recruiting, it's about recruiting the right guys the right way. I think that's important. You know, you can recruit the right guys, but bring them in with a bunch of promises and they get there and there's no trust. And so to me, it's about, you know, doing it the right way. Um, and then when they get here, developing them like crazy. You know, uh, uh, we were able to do that at Baylor. I think the, the, the difference for me now is uh, – you know, we don't have, we're not bound to just hey, 25 guys or 19 guys. We can bring in a lot more guys. And that, I think that speeds things up for people. Yeah, that's interesting. And let's talk portal and, and Elijah Judy is now in. Um, is that something that your philosophy on it, is that going to be sort of crafted as you go? Or is this sort of something that you can rebuild much quicker than bringing in guys and developing them only from the high school ranks? Yeah, I think my approach has always been, you know, I'm a developmental coach. I like to get guys in here, have them for three, four, five years. Um, so that, you know, I, I obviously uh, look forward to recruiting high school kids and, and getting them here. But I think with the portal now, having the ability to bring in guys, you know, after their redshirt freshman year, if they're the right guy, um, having them for three years. And I think my experience in the NFL, you know, you have to you, you sign a free agent. You have to get him ready to play quickly. And sometimes – Sometimes we signed a guy on Tuesday and I had to have him ready by Sunday. And so uh, I think we're uniquely qualified now to have that long-term developmental approach, but also uh, bring guys in that can help us. It, it speeds the game up. And uh, for me, I don't have to, I want the freshman to come in and compete, but I don't have to play a guy who's not ready because I have the ability to bring in uh, some, some veteran players. Speaking of, of you said talent on, on the roster, you got a big one this morning, Malachi Coleman. Um, you know, Colorado was very involved with him until the end. What were those conversations like with you and Malachi and the family to convince him, hey, let's stay in Lincoln and let's build this together? You know, it started off with really a hard conversation, you know, when he, when he decommitted and, and uh, speaks a lot to who he is and who his family is. And he called me. You know, that's not always the case. And, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was great with it. As I told him, I, I only wanted him to come here if this was the right place for him. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about our vision for him. We talked a lot about what we were going to try to do. But I think the biggest thing was he just wanted to get around us and spend some time with us. You know, um, it's hard to it's hard to commit the next four years of your life uh, to someone you don't really know. And I think in a short amount of time, uh, we've we've been able to let them feel our vibe here, the people that we have here. And um, in the end, uh, I think you know, Malachi trusted us. And, and um, it's a big, big day for us to keep him here in Lincoln. Some coaches subscribe to the idea that you put your best athletes on defense. Um, he could play receiver, tight end, defensive end, linebacker. Where do you kind of see him playing? Do you just bring him in and figure it out, or do you, do you kind of have an idea? Well, you know, I think he's a wideout. Um, yeah. um, you know, my approach has always been, Adam, and we've had a lot of success from, you know, Hassan Reddick to Deion Dawkins, you know, a lot of guys at Temple and at Baylor moving guys around and putting them in the right position. And my, my philosophy has always been to, to let, let these guys start off at the position they're most comfortable. Let them play that. Let them get, let them have, let them have success. And then as we go, you know, I think we have a pretty good eye here, you know, our staff, Evan Cooper, myself, looking at guys and saying, Hey, your best chance to, to make a lot of money in the NFL is to, is to move to this. But when I see Malachi, you know, he's, he's got 10, three speed, he's got length. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to teach him to be a great wide out. And then, uh, you know, a lot of people say they're going to let kids play both ways in the recruiting process. You, you go back and look at us. We've done it. And um, yeah. those aren't promises. But, you know, what it is is I think he's a dynamic athlete. And if we can, he can help us in other, other areas, we certainly will. There have been different philosophies at Nebraska over the years, depending on the coaching staff, some successful, some not successful, about recruiting territory. And we all know that Nebraska is going to have some guys, but not enough to make a whole class, not enough probably to win Big Ten championships. But how do you see this? Is it is this getting into Texas more? Is this going west, east, southeast, midwest? How do you kind of see this playing out over the years? Well, I think it's I think it's truly being great in the state, like you said. Um, you know, I think we signed the, the most Nebraska players this year since since uh, in 1998, and there's a couple that we would have loved. We just got here too late to get involved, and so 
I think there's the, the fundamental core is here. Those are the guys that'll want to stay and be here no matter what, because they love the university. And I, I think from there, you know, we, we really want to be great in Texas. Um, it's one of the reasons why I took the job, looking back at the history, knowing Nebraska's ties there. Uh, it, it's for kids that want to play in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is, you know, really moving in a strong direction. And, you know, Nebraska, we're the closest one. And then, you know, they have a great history in, in New Jersey and in the, in the East Coast. They have a great history in Florida. So uh, we will try to concentrate in those three areas, you know, the Northeast, Florida, Texas. But we also understand we're a national brand and uh, uh, we'll go find kids anywhere that they are, especially there's a lot of what I'm learning is there's a lot of people with Nebraska ties that have moved somewhere else. And we're going to go get those guys as well. Speaking of Texas, I, th I think you had a great recruiting move to eat at Prince Will's uh, mom's restaurant. I think that was definitely a, a nice touch there. Calculated or, or did you were you hungry at that time? At no, that's my second time. So when I went in to see uh, Princely and Princely was coming on a visit to Baylor and then I left. You know, I went there and I had the foo foo. I had the you know, uguzi soup, and and I've, I've had that in many homes. You know, uh, 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 it's a uh, it's become a favorite of mine. So when I went back in there, I don't think they even realized it was me at first. But I said, no, I sat at that table. I ate. And, and then when mom said you went with Coach Rule, I said, I said, no, I am Coach Rule. And she said, oh my goodness, I think maybe I put on too many pounds since the last time I was there. So, uh, but no, she, uh, uh, it's it's a great restaurant and it's it's got great food and uh, they're they're an unbelievable family. And um, I've really enjoyed getting to know them because, you know, for me now, uh, uh, this has been four years of, of knowing them. Yeah, yeah. Putting on the pounds, you and me both, Matt. <laughs> that is uh, new Nebraska coach Matt Roll. Uh, thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you so much. Go okay. Big Red. All right. This is Adam Gorey at the Rival Signing Day show here with Clemson coach Gavin Swinney. Uh, fresh off of his press conference, Thank you for joining us again. You make it easy every year, and, and honestly, we try to get these coaches, and so you could get the president on the line easier <laughs> than some of these guys, and you have a national championship too, I, I remember. So uh, just the class in general, do, do you like the numbers? Do you like where it is? Are you done? Are you still going? How, how does it kind of go from here, Dabo? Oh, I love this class. I mean, we it's built in the trenches. Uh, you know, probably the most D linemen we've signed since Christian Wilkins' class in 15, you know, three big time D tackles and DNs um, and then uh, three great uh, offensive linemen that we're super excited about uh, as well. Uh, we've got a, another great quarterback, we believe, and then we've got excellent skill, you know, uh, at safety, at corner, at receiver, uh, big skill at tight end and linebacker. So just a really complete group. Uh, it's the, probably our biggest class in quite a while. Um, and uh, brought a nice little preferred walk-on guy in as well. A bunch of them are mid-year. So we've got 16 guys coming in January uh, to, to, to go on top of an already very talented roster that's returning. Uh, yeah. We're not losing a lot of guys. So we've got a lot of guys back and uh, coming off of a championship team. And uh, so it should be fun this spring to get get all these guys uh, in the mix and competition. And then uh, and then we got more guys coming in the summer. So uh, right now we're in a good spot. We'll see. We got some guys that are coming back to Clemson that a lot of people don't know about yet that we thought were leaving. Uh, so uh, today was a great day. But but, you know, those are those are. Those are probably the biggest signees uh, we could we could have with those guys that are going to stay here. Yeah, we can get to the trenches. Let's start with the quarterback, Chris Vizina. Seems just very comfortable at Clemson, like the spot yeah. for him for a long time. Uh, what do you see from him as a player and, and as a person that that will fit with you in the offense? Well, you know, CV is first of all, he's big. Uh, he's a big, strong kid. He can make all the throws. He's a really good athlete. He can run, uh, you know, he was a really good little basketball player as well. I mean, I think he's a great leader. I think he's a natural leader. He's a great teammate. You know, he's a guy that probably could have, uh, you know, gone and played at some other schools. He's at a great school, uh, but man, he just stayed right where he was and bloomed where he was planted at Briarwood and uh, had a great career, but he's, a, he's an incredibly smart and passionate guy. He's a grinder. Uh, I love that about his mentality. Uh, he's low maintenance and just loves the game, loves to prepare for the game. He's a great fit for our room uh, to go along with Cade. And, uh, and then we brought in Paul Tyson uh, to, to come, and you probably remember him when he was coming out of high school. Yeah. But, you know, we needed a veteran guy, losing, losing Billy Wiles, who, who went to Southern Miss, and then 
obviously DJ, um, you know, we needed, we needed, we needed somebody in the room that really brings, uh, some veteran experience and, uh, you know, he'll be great for us. He's going to be a great teammate, a great mentor to CV and Cade in helping them, uh, you know, mature and grow. So, uh, excited about both of those guys. Like you said, that 2015 D-line class was phenomenal with Christian Wilkins, Cleveland Farrell, I think, was in that class. And then, yep. you know, the other class was Miles Murphy and Brise, but they didn't have the numbers. This this group is is loaded. And and the guy that we've really fallen in love with, especially after Alabama-Mississippi game, was Peter Woods. I mean, he was just such a game record, just a dominant force. Did, going into Alabama to get him, uh, how did that all work out? And how happy are you to, to have him? Well, I mean, you know, everybody's got their opinion and this and that. But as far as just I, I pure football player, people can argue about in tackle, whatever. I think he's the best pure football player in the country, uh, just pure football player. I mean, this guy can do so many things and then physically and, and mentally where he is. I mean, it's almost like he's coming out of a college already coming out of Thompson High School. I mean, Mark Freeman does an unbelievable job down there. That's my rival school. That's the only thing that pains me is I'm a I'm a mighty Pelham Panther. And, man, I grew up – man, you didn't like Thompson. Uh, and they didn't like Pelham. So, it just goes to show you how God's got a great sense of humor all these years later. Uh, man, this Pelham Panther and Thompson Warrior have come together. And, uh, man, we're going to do some great things with that young man. He's special. I mean, he's explosive. He's he's just a, a a guy that you just it's hard to block, and he's got a motor you can't coach. You know he's got this motor; he's just relentless, and he will be one of the strongest guys the day he gets to college. Yeah, I mean it. It's just you know he's just and he's played at the seven A level in the state of Alabama, which is as good a football as there is, and so and an unbelievable kid, and just the sweetest family i mean just a beautiful family uh his mom jermaine or his, his mom devin and his dad jermaine i mean they're just they're just you know great people and uh you know he always liked clemson and then with the recruiting process and them coming up i think he knew early on like he committed to, he was one of our first commits and he's been he's been rock solid all the way been one of the leaders in this class already so uh if he had announced he was coming to clemson today there would have been an earthquake uh so you know, it's just great that that's the type of leader he is. He wanted to be a leader in this class. He wanted to help put it together. And, uh, and man, he, he, he helped set the tone for this group. All these guys. I mean, we have 26 guys, man. They've been committed for a long time. And, um, you know, it's good to get them signed up today. The other D lineman that I, I want to talk about that didn't get as much national recognition as, as Peter was Vic Burley from Warner Robins continues to grow is just massive. How, how do you kind of see him and, and what did you like to, to target him early on? Same thing. We've been, we've been following that big joker for a while and uh, he is a monster. Uh, he's huge. Uh, people don't realize how big and explosive he is. Uh, great family, a kid that just fit our program, you know, and, and we started recruiting him probably 10th grade. Um, he, same thing coming out of a great program, a, a, a really, tradition-rich program down there at Warner Robins, uh, a family that really values education. And I think they were really looking for a place that values it as well. His mom's an assistant principal, his dad's an educator. And uh, so, you know, just, just, he, he, he just fit Clemson. And he came up here several times. And uh, again, another one of those guys that, that could have gone anywhere in the country, uh, literally, but uh uh, chose to come be a part of this program and, and already here. He's here going through practice now, going to the bowl with us. Big personality, hilarious. Uh, but he is a a you know you're one of the one of the biggest guys we've signed at that at that position. I mean he's got he's got great potential moving forward. That's it. Uh, that is Clemson coach Dabo Swinney. Dabo, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, man. Good to be with you. All right. See you next time. Take care. This is Adam Gorney on the Rival Signing Day Show, continuing along here with Florida State head coach Mike Norvell. And Mike, uh, another signing day in the books. Uh, great news with with one of the best receivers in the class, Hakeem Williams. And the story here is incredible. Uh, you guys got involved, and you're one of many schools involved with him. And then he takes his own trip to, to New Orleans to see you guys play LSU. Luckily, you called a great game and won that game, and, and, it, and it went really well. Um 
what kind of player can he be for you? How talented is he? And and he's just a rare physical specimen too. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's special. I mean, he's a, a special player, special talent, uh, but more than all that, I mean, he's a special young man and, you know, really, uh, you know, the, I think, you know, Ron Dugans has done a remarkable job in developing a relationship, uh, you know, we all have, and, and that's what really, uh, you know, I came was, uh, you had every option and, you know, he could have went anywhere he wanted. Uh, but I, I think he really found something special here at Florida state with an opportunity, um, you know, and, and just a, a chance to come here and, and to be able to, to succeed in, in, in all ways. And, you know, he absolutely great fit for our culture and, and our football team, but the sky limit to what he'll, he'll be able to do and really got a special one there. When did you get the sense that you were not only really in this, but, but really about to land him and, and then keep him. And, and you know, this is, as well as anybody, the recruiting really starts once the kid commits almost sometimes, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, he'd come to a couple of our workouts. And when he came to the practice, um, you know, I, I loved watching his interaction. And, I mean, he's he's one of those, one of those guys that will be standing on, on the sideline, but as, as each play and each rep and, you know, we coach our guys and, and get after them pretty good just in, in how hard we push. And, you know, he was, I mean, had the biggest smile on his face. I mean, he, he loved, he loved the, the, the way that we worked. And, uh, yeah, that's really, I, I saw that, um, you know, just kind of take off. And as he saw this offense and, and, and the program continue to, to grow and, and showcase all that we can do. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a perfect fit. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a heck of a, heck of a, a journey that we, that we were on and uh, just so grateful I get to coach him. You always want playmakers. You got to keep loading up on them. Did it seem like this class, though, in particular, you wanted guys, whether at receiver or running back, you got a quarterback late, went to the portal for some tight ends. Was it was it sort of an objective to get more playmakers, more pass catchers in this offense? Well, I mean, you know, I think guys that have uh, that, that game changing ability and, you know, we we use a, a variety of personnel groupings. We, uh, you know, we try to get get our guys in the best one on one. So finding guys that when you get the ball in their hands, that they know what to do with it. And um, you mentioned quarterback, you know, Brock Glenn was a was a big, a big get for us. And, you know, he was a guy that was a top target. Um, you know, we had committed to another school. You know, we, you know, I think Coach Tokars did a really nice job of uh, building the relationships, even through and out of respect. You know, even with the the commitment somewhere else, and um, you know, he was just you know, as he saw us continue to to grow and and uh, you know, put on display you know, all we were capable of. I think he knew that this was the the best place for him, and uh, you're definitely excited about his future and, and all those playmakers that we were able to to bring into the program. The guy who I think is the sleeper is Vandrevious Jacobs. He's, you know, a little undersized, but that's almost like to his benefit, you know, like he's just so fast. He's going to catch a lot of passes. He wasn't talked about as much as some other receivers in this class, but what do you like about him and how you can get him the ball? I mean, everything. Uh, he is, he is a true, the means of definition of playmaker had over 20 touchdowns this year. Um, you know, just, he was an early commitment and, you know, uh, Dre was not one that was out trying to to seek all the attention and and do all the different things at camps. And I mean, he was he just played ball, and he was one of the best players in in the state of Florida, one of the best players in the country. Uh, was a was a top target for us, and you know he held he held true uh, throughout the entire process. But uh, you know we, we we got a special player in him. As Brocklin was going through the process, and we don't have to mention schools or whatever, but when you went up to Memphis, it seems like. There was like a symbiotic relationship there. Like you guys hit it off. Like he wanted to come, you wanted him. How did that kind of all progress as he was going through the last few weeks here? Well, I mean, it's just when when you see a young man, you 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 build a relationship. You know, I've known I've known of Brock for a long time, and we've started building the the uh, uh, the relationship in the in the recruiting you know in the recruiting process. But um, you know, he was. You know, just him, his mom, his family. I mean, brothers and sisters are remarkable. And just, you know, when every time that they would come down to campus or I'd get a chance to, to visit with them, I mean, it just I felt something special. And then you watch him play the game. I mean, you know, he's just a, a great talent. I've known his, uh, his high school coaches, you know, for a long time. Got a lot of respect for, for what they do and how they've done it there at Lausanne. And uh, just, um, you know, it, it all came to be the way it, uh, that I believe it was supposed to. And uh, just, you know, so glad that he's going to be a Seminole. You're going to have a lot of in-state recruiting battles there. I don't think it's any secret. Edwin Joseph was definitely one of those. You won it. Where do you see him? We list him as an athlete. He can kind of play everywhere. Where do you kind of see him? What, what do you want to do with him? 
No, he, he is an athlete, but uh, we're going to play him at corner. And that's where we see, um, you know, we see an elite level potential there. And, you know, his ball skills, you know, you watch him play receiver and he could definitely be a take at receiver too. I mean, he is, he is, uh, you know, he is a, a great talent, but we see him as a game changer in the defensive backfield, uh, change the direction, athleticism, ball skills, all those things that, that you want, uh, you know, playing, you know, playing there, uh, uh, you know, in South Florida and Shamanad Madonna. I mean, he was just one of the best teams in the, in the country. And you see that the competition that he would go against and, I mean, just was was elite at, at the corner position. So uh, excited about what he brings. And that was a big, a big get for us today. Portal is uh, basically recruiting 2.0 and we could all complain about it or accept it or whatever it is. How do you kind of look at it? How do you want to use it? You have utilized it in this class. Is it piecing things together or is it sometimes revamping what what you're kind of trying to do? Well, I mean, you, you're still looking for the best fit. And that's yeah. one thing that we, we talk about uh, you know, all the time, whether it's high school or, or uh, portal or junior college is finding those those the right fit for for building this team. And you know, we want the we want the most talented, you know, biggest, strongest, fastest players we can get. But they got to be the right fit for us. And so uh, we've done a we've done a really good job. Being able to get two of the best tight ends in the country, uh, you know, in the portal, you know, through, through the portal uh, this year, you know, with both versatile skill sets that can be, uh, you know, great weapons for us. You know, looking at the offensive linemen we've been able to bring in, you've got three guys that have a, a lot of experience and and ability that all have a specific vision, uh, coupled with, you know, a couple of high school linemen that I think are, are going to be great. I mean, Lucas Simmons, you know, is one of the, the top targets that we had, um, you know, within our entire team of, of for this recruiting class and to be able to get him. Uh, and then, you know, today with Andre Otto and, uh, you know, it just – I think has a guy with all the potential in the world, you know, that's a, it's just put together a really, really guess good class for us. Recruiting is hard enough when you have to know the shorter university tight end. Though. <laughs> that's that takes it to another level, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's uh, it's definitely, you know, probably watched a lot more uh, shorter film than I, than I, than I ever have, but I, you know, I did play in the Gulf South. So I was, uh, I had a little familiarity. <laughs> right. Again, that is Florida state head coach, Mike Norvell. Mike, thanks for joining us again. Thanks so much. Go Knowles. This is Adam Gorney on the Rival Signing Day show with new Georgia Tech coach Brent Key. And Brent, uh, it's been busy and taking over the job. What's it been like these first few months um, in an interim role and now getting the head job? I mean, it's, you, you can say whirlwind, but I don't think that really does it uh, justification because it's, uh, you know, taking over on week five of the season and then, um, having to play the games and you know, prepare for the games, but yet continuing to recruit and, you know, maintain the relationships, you know, it was extremely important to us on the staff to, to do that. And, you know, I don't think we, we sit here today with the ability to even get uh, some of those guys to, to join, to join our program. If we didn't do that through the end of the season, through the last, you know, the final 10 weeks of the season. So, you know, it was a, it was a grind, it was something that had to be done. It's something that, uh, well, it, and then that'll continue moving forward, but, uh, it's, you know, there's a few days coming up here where I'm probably going to you know, have a little eggnog and lay down on, lay down on the couch and, and wake up whenever I do. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you take over and credit to you and the team, you go to pit and that could have turned ugly, but you guys won that game. Then against a good Duke team, you win. And that, that's an impressive start. Let's talk recruiting. There's high school guys, there's portal guys. There's a whole lot to think about here. And, and how, kind of what's your philosophy on the portal? How do you use it? You've definitely used it to your advantage so far. Yeah, we, so you know, I'm a firm believer in developing your roster really with still with through the high schools, the local high schools within your state, uh, recruiting your backyard, uh, making sure that that's a priority, uh, then reaching out to the neighboring states and the kind of the footprint that you or that, that we feel is. Uh, important to us in places we've had success in the past. Uh, the transfer portal is something that's here. It's not going away. Uh, people can spend all the time they want talking about it or what they think it should be or not be or this and that. But to me, that's you know, all they're doing is wasting time trying to figure out the ways to use it to the, their advantage. So our philosophy is we're going we're to recruit the high schools here in the state of Georgia. We're going to recruit the neighboring states. Uh, we're going to develop our program and our locker room really from from the from the inside out. Uh, when it comes to those, uh, when it comes to those things, and then you, you look at the transfer portal, and you know there's really two sorts of uh, of guys that are in there. There's the one year guys, and then there's the guys with multiple years 
uh, of playing left. So, you know, taking a guy with multiple years to me is really, you know, you're, you're adding to your locker room because they still have a chance to develop within the, uh, the culture of your, of your team in the locker room and around the other players. There's a certain amount of shared adversity that the kids here at Georgia Tech go through, whether it be at practice, you know, going to the same classes, you know, you know all the things that, uh, that college kids bond over. So now the, the other hand of that is the, the kind of the one-year guys that come in. So now you, in, in my opinion, it's, there's a, there's a athletic ability and, and you know, ability to help you standpoint that we look at and that we judge and evaluate these guys on. But then there's also the character portion where is this guy going to be able to come into the locker room and fit in right away, really from the team accepting him and then him uh, accepting the team. So, you know, regardless of what success you might have on the field, there's that, uh, that bond that has to take place with your teammates. So really the evaluation, you have the high school evaluation, you have the, the transfer evaluation, but then that transfer evaluation we look at as two separate things. Yeah. You went to the portal for a quarterback, a big one, highly touted, very heavily recruited out of high school. Um, it didn't work at, at Texas Sam and Haynes King. Um, what do you see from him? What can he bring to your team? Maybe, maybe immediately on the field with the ability that he has. Yeah. You know, we, Fortunately, our you know quarterback coach Chris Winky had a prior relationship, had recruited recruited him in another place, and uh, when the opportunity came around, you know that's the type of relationships that Chris makes with with, with kids and their families. Um, you know, we were able to get back involved uh, this time around with him. So, you know, as far as what he brings, he's you know he's a he's a big strong kid. Uh, he he's got you know he's a dynamic athlete with the ball in his hands. You know. Uh, and I think that's important. It's important for us. It's important in college football across the board, but really for us and where we're at in our program right now, uh, we want to have guys that can that can make plays, obviously, with their arm at that position, but also be able to pull the, the ball down. And uh, whether it's a designed run at times, you know, you know, here and there, or ability to to make something happen when protection breaks down in front of them and uh, and get positive plays, that's important for us. So, uh, and then we want to continue to continually build the build the the quarterback room where those guys all complement each other, where, you know, they have, you know, different qualities, but a lot of them aligned in the same way. So, you know, and then when you, when you got a guy that tall and you know, the can see over the line and be able to, you know, see what's in front of them, and then you bring him and you put him with it, what, in my opinion, is the best quarterback coach in the entire country and Chris, and it's, uh, he's worked with, you know, everyone from, you know, the, the junior high kids in his career all the way up to all pro guys and Hall of Famers and trained them and developed them. So uh, and then his uh, resume of success of what we did last season with the the way the quarterback situation played out with injuries and then having to platoon two guys towards the end of the season and being able to go up to uh, North Carolina and, and pull that win off, you know, with two different quarterbacks who really not played a whole lot of football that season uh, last season, you know, Tremendous respect for Chris as a teacher and a coach. So you put the combination of those things together, we feel like we have something really special. Always important to load up on the offensive line. Was that a bias of yours as an offensive line coach to get so many, or was that something that was absolutely needed? Yeah, it's needed. Uh, and yeah. like, I, like I said earlier, that's, that is the most developmental position of all positions. And, you know, there, there's a pattern of success here at Georgia Tech over the last, you know, even the last 25, 30 years. And, um, you know, th that's the position we felt like we could bring guys in that uh, would develop within the program. Uh, fortunately, I was able to work with all of those guys uh, during summer camps, uh, see them practice, see them play live uh, before the transi uh, transition even occurred. So I know I know what we're getting with those guys. Uh, I know who they are. I know their strengths, their weaknesses, things they need to develop with. And, you know, being able to hold on to those guys through through the whole transition and then all the way to signing day, I thought was a, a good win, a really good win for us. I'm going to call it now. I think the sleeper of the class is Evan Dickens, a late ad, a running back, very talented kid. You know, you don't lead IMG in rushing touchdowns unless you're pretty good. Uh, how did that all kind of come together and, and getting him in here? Yeah. So he, he's a, he's a local kid, an Atlanta kid. Uh, he had gone to high school here, transfers to IMG. Uh, fortunate again, I'm not making this the Chris Winkie show, but uh, he's, <laughs> He's, he's got some pretty uh, pretty close relationships down there being that he, he started the place so uh, the football program there so yeah. we, we got his film we watched uh, you know, watched a little bit of some highlights and dug in a little bit deeper watched some more film 
you know, some of the coaches there have relationships to us up here that we really trust to tell us some things that you might not see on film. You know, he, he, he can run the ball inside, outside, He's, you know, can, can press the outside zone, the stretch play, one cut, get north and south. You look at it, you know, his running back style and you evaluate that. But the thing that uh, everyone was extremely high on him down there with was you know, the way he, the, his understanding of pass protections, his communication of the pass protections, you know, to everyone on the offense and his ability to stick his face in there and, and pick up blitzers and know where the, you know, his protection pickups were. And that's something you rarely see at, at the high school level or those guys that have, you know, a pretty broad understanding of protection. So it, it, it was just, it was a credit to the intelligence of, uh, of Evan and, you know, we felt like he'd be able to be a guy that came in here and gave us uh, – it'd be a good asset asset for us in the running back room. That is new Georgia Tech coach Brent Key. Brent, thanks for joining us so much today. Appreciate it, guys. This is Adam Gorney with the Rival Signing Day show, back with Louisville head coach Jeff Brom, and that, that feels right. It feels good to say that back home. What's it been like, just the reception you've gotten and, and your own personal feeling about, about being the Louisville coach now? Well, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, coach this football team and get back to my hometown and my uh, university that I went to. And just a lot of people that really care about the program that I know and that I've been a part of my life that uh, I want to make sure I do my part to uh, help this football team win and get better. And uh, so that's been really good to see some of those faces. Obviously, it's been kind of a busy, uh, you know, two weeks or a week and a half, however that's been. But uh, I'm sure once this kind of dies down a little bit, we'll get a chance to spend a little more time with them. But uh, it's been a lot of fun to this point. One of your first acts was to actually get on a plane and fly to California to to go to Bosco to see that game. How important was that to, to lock up your quarterback to make clear that the plan is in place here? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Pierce Clarkson and that crew uh, on that football team are really good football players. They've been a big part of this recruiting piece even before I got here. Uh, you could tell they really love this university and, and want to help this school win football games and do it at the highest level. So we want to get out there and see the whole crew, watch them compete, watch them play, get around their families. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we had a really good time. We spent two days out there and uh, really uh, got to see as many people as we possibly could and uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, these guys are excited. I think uh, they've helped this recruiting class get better by the work they put in. So we're thankful for that. Uh, but we're excited to get him here. A lot of these guys are going to get here early uh, in, in January, be a big part of spring practice. Yeah, Jeff, I think it's a compliment to you and 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 the recruiting job of others um, that so many guys were trying to get your guys to flip. And, you know, a lot of guys are wanted by other schools, and, and that didn't necessarily happen with a lot of the top guys. Madden Sanker is a guy that I talked to. You know, I have to ask the question, and, and he said he was there, and he loved it, and he's locked in. And how important was this last weekend to just get guys on campus, get them around your guys, around yourself, and just kind of really just bond a little bit? Well, that was the priority is to making sure that uh, we got in front of these young men uh, and their families. They got a chance to just meet us and talk to us and see what we're about and what is our vision and how can we help them achieve their goals. And there's one thing about me and recruiting and, and our staff. We're going to be genuine and honest. And uh, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then there's a better place. And that's where we want them to go. So I think we relay, relay that to them. Uh, we got a chance to be around a lot of these guys, just like you mentioned, Madam Sanker, Luke Burgess, two really good offensive linemen uh, that we love. They just love football. They love to compete. Uh, they'll be a great addition to this program. But a lot of really good football players. Uh, we got a chance to, you know, this past weekend had almost 27 prospects and their families on campus uh, with a short staff uh, since a lot of our guys have stayed back. And uh, so there's a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah. Our players were gone at the bowl game and uh, it was busy, but uh, we enjoyed it. And uh, we were happy to, to get around all of them as much as we could. And we're looking forward to, to kind of continuing that relationship as they get here. Talk to me a little bit about that philosophy of saying, we want you here clearly, but if you think something else is better, then, then go pursue it. Because one, you don't want them to second guess. And two, you want guys that want to be there, right? I mean, is that the idea? Well, as a former player myself and even a lot of our coaches, uh, we want to do things the right way. I mean, uh, yes, I know there's a transfer portal now, but we want these guys to get the decision right. And, uh, you know, we tell guys all the time, if you really want to be a difference maker, we think we have a great plan for that. And uh, we had, we've had we've had that everywhere I've been, uh, from Ron Moore, David Bell, George Karloftis, all those guys could have went anywhere in the country. And they chose to come play for us. And their first year, 
Uh, they were all American or they were breaking records and they were really making a difference. So we think we have a good plan for it. Uh, and obviously the team consists of a lot of different players and personalities, but uh, difference makers are important. And if you want to come to the University of Louisville, make a difference, get on the field early, uh, make a statement, uh, put your name out there right away. I think we got a great plan to do that. And uh, so those guys are excited. I think we have some really good players uh, that are great leaders that have won championships. Their football teams were very good. They've competed at a high level in high school. So I think they'll be ready to go. Two guys who are really supremely talented on defense that I think you're going to get a lot out of, Adana J. Green, Stanquan Clark. Keeping those guys locked in, how important was that? And, and getting those guys on campus to start the process here. Well, without question, we feel very good about our defensive uh, list of prospects that uh, committed to the University of Louisville. Definitely Stanquan is a tremendous middle linebacker. I mean, really athletic. He can run the field. He can hit. He can tackle. He's smart. He loves football. He'll be a difference maker for us year one, without a question. So excited to be able to land him. AJ has been committed to the for a long time. He's long. Uh, he's athletic. He played at a high level of football, uh, you know, getting to state championship games and, and competing against the very best in, in the state of Georgia. Uh, great personality. So we got a chance to know him and his family. So those two can really do a great job. AJ's got to continue to fill out and gain weight, but boy, he's got great length and athleticism, so we're excited about it. There are different philosophies when it comes to the portal. It's a part of the reality of recruiting now. What's yours? Is it load up on it? Is it find pieces that you need? Is it What is it for you? Well, I think uh, you know the portal is what it is. We have to adjust to it, and these young men can transfer whenever they want, so it's going to continue to be active uh, you know, from here until you, know, you don't know when. Yeah. Uh, but you know, every year we're going to evaluate our roster and make sure that we make additions that we think can help our football team win. And, uh, you know, with the portal now, it's 365 days a year pretty much where guys are either in it or just got in it or they can stay in it. Because some guys go in it and they get stuck in there. So it's going to be a constant evaluation. You got to make sure you piece this thing together where you, you know, have enough veterans on your team that have played football. And sometimes you can watch these young men either play at a good program or maybe a a smaller uh, division of a program, still they can have success if they've competed and done a good job on the field. So uh, we want to be active and make sure that, uh, you know, anybody that we think can help our football team win, we want to add. Your best quote ever is from the XFL, Jeff. And I, I just want to say it to you just to ask you about philosophy. And you said, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. That's awesome. That worked at your previous stop that, you know, that, that tough Midwest personality. Is that what you're bringing to Louisville? Is that what Louisville fans should expect? Well, I think I know a great deal about this program and the history. And uh, we want to be about substance. Uh, we want to be about uh, uh, competing really hard. And, uh, you know, you, you work real hard. You train. You game plan. You do all those things. But in the end, we try to simplify this game for our guys. And I just think that uh, it comes down to this, that uh, you've got to find a way to play harder than the other team. I mean, yeah. you can – People can visually watch that when they watch on TV or in the stadium, which team is playing harder. So we have to find a way to win that battle. And then you have to find a way to play tougher than the other team, which means, you know what, things aren't going to go your way. You're going to be down. You're going to be losing. Are you going to hang in there? You're still going to play hard. So that means playing hard even when things aren't going well and finding a way to just can constantly keep that edge. And then you got to play smarter, which means you can't get a lot of penalties. You got to know the assignment. You got to know what you're doing when you're on both sides of the ball and you got to be able to communicate uh, if you can win those three battles every game you play, you can beat anybody in college football. So those are the things we work at. Uh, it's important that, uh, you know, it's it's a visual where people can see, is this team smart, tough, and do they play hard? Uh, so those are the things I think we still got to concentrate on and making sure that, yes, we evolve and we try to find ways to be creative and make big plays. But it, it comes down to the base backbones of, of the game of football. We want to try to be good at it. Great. That is new Louisville coach Jeff Brom. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Have a good day. All right. All right. This is Adam Gorney with the Rival Signing Day Show. Continuing on here with Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano. Greg, another signing day in the books. You, you know, hit, hit the Northeast hard again, which is going to be the focus. Went into Canada actually um, for some, for a guy and and uh, and stayed local too. New Jersey is going to be the pipeline. Uh, Jazer Peterson, talk about getting him in the class, locking him up, and, and what he can bring to this to this group for you. Well, he's a Petey's a real fine player, and he's going to play on the defensive side for us. I've heard some people uh, say that he was an offensive line. He's he's going to be a defensive lineman, and uh, we're really excited about him. He's big, he's he's athletic, and uh, he loves loves football and wants to be part of what we're building here. Massachusetts was big. The Northeast, is that 
going to be the, the footprint and then building out from there? Or what's kind of your philosophy on, on how, how the classes need to be built for you? Well, everything always starts in our backyard. So that's New Jersey and New York, uh, you know, especially downstate New York. When you're talking about the city, Long Island, uh, Westchester County, you know, we, we've got players from there every year. We've had the, the last two years in a row, we've had the number one player in the state of New York. So we feel like that's all our area. And then we'll go wherever, wherever we feel we can recruit players that help and, and fit what we need. Florida has always been big for Rutgers. So we spend a lot of time. We have a lot of connections down there, but We'll literally go anywhere if, if it means it helps our uh, build our roster and help. It's a good fit for our program. Yeah, I was just going to say Florida's another, you know, aggressively going after some guys down there. Talk about the Canadian, the Jabril Abdul Rahman. Um, how did you find him? How did that all kind of come together? And what kind of player could he be for you on the defense? Well, we think he's a real explosive defensive lineman. I think uh, loves the game. A lot of fun being around. Great personality. We actually first saw him at a camp one of those camps when you go to those camps and, and try to identify guys. And then we followed him his, his senior year and, and boy, he really played well. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things continuing to recruit 23s in 23 in the 23 see you know, the 22 season um, because guys develop at all different rates. And uh, right now recruiting has become so, so far in advance that I think if you just keep following guys, you have an opportunity to get some really good players. A spark on offense. Um, how much were you looking for that in your receivers, whether going to New York or Massachusetts, tight end commit, running back, and especially a quarterback with a Johnny Shepard? Yeah, I really like, you know, the offensive guys we've added to the roster all bring something to the table. But the common denominator is they're all very athletic, speed, and most of all, they love the game and really want to be a part of what we're building here. Like, to me, that was the number one thing. We need guys that want to be part of this build, that want to be part of what we're building, and that they they uh, their culture is a fit with our culture. And I feel really good about that. Did it just so happen that the quarterback was also a runner? I think he ran for about 1,300 yards this year. Or were you kind of feeling like you needed some more of that dual threat in the backfield there? Well, I think, you know, with, with the quarterbacks we have, we have dual threat quarterbacks, so he fits right in with what we do. Uh, I think in this modern day college football, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a team that in some way doesn't use the quarterback as a runner. So that's really what college football is these days. And uh, I think that we're going to continue down that path as well. So he's a perfect fit. I've asked a lot of guys this today about the portal and your philosophy on it. And everybody seems to have a different idea or, or a way to use it. How, how can you use it to maximize what you want to do is, is it first high school and then go portal for, for needs? Or how, do you, how are you kind of looking at that? Well, I think in our situation, we're a developmental program. So we're going to build guys. We're going to grow them up. We're going to, you know, but there's going to be holes in your roster that, you know, in years previous, there was no way to adjust that other than kind of speed someone up who might not be ready. Well, here you can. Now you have to be careful that you don't do that at the risk of slowing down some guy's development. So we've been very, very specialized in who we go after in the portal. And then the other thing is, you know, when you when you go get a portal player, you're bringing them into play. You're not bringing them in to develop them. They usually don't have much eligibility remaining. So they need to be a cultural fit because if they're going to come in and play and they're going to make plays, if they're not a cultural fit, they're going to lead people in the wrong direction. And that's been really – we've had really good uh, success in making sure that the portal guys that we do go after are a cultural fit. Yeah, we have a nice setup here out in L.A., but uh, what you guys did with Scarlet Zone today was pretty cool. Uh, bringing in the, red, the NFL Red Zone guy. and How did that kind of all come together? Did someone come to you and say, let's try this? And it obviously kind of sparked some social media interest. Well, yeah, we have a really top flight um, creative team here. And they, they did bring it to me and they said, coach, would you be good with this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, at the age where I them all into the social media and all the stuff, but these guys are excellent and I trust them. And, uh, they, they, uh, they made a good decision. I was happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely sparked some interest. That's for sure. That is Rutgers coach, Greg Schiano. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Okay. Um, thank you. All right. See you again. This is Adam Gorney with the rival signing day show with our final guest of the day. We waited best for last year, new coach at Stanford, Troy Taylor. 
And, and Troy, let's talk about just getting the job and what the first few weeks have been like. Has it just been uh, just craziness? It's been pretty busy, but it's uh, it's been fun, you know, just being able to, you know, one of the first things I did was meet with every player um, and that took quite a few days, but uh, that gave me a lot of energy, just how extraordinary our student athletes are and how excited they are. And um, it's uh, it's been busy, but it's been really fun. You obviously have a big reputation as an offensive guy. Um, I looked this up last night that you, you averaged 43 points a game, just under 43 points a game this year at Sacramento State. Stanford hadn't averaged that many points in the last two seasons combined. What what can you bring in offensively? Just a different mindset or just, just something, you know, to refresh the uh, that side of the ball. Well, we're going to have fun on offense. We're going to we're going to be in a attack mode and not not play to lose, you know, not play based on fear, but just loving what we're doing and uh, we're pretty balanced. We'll we'll throw it and run it and uh, I think it's fun for for everybody. We'll do some tempo. That'll be a, definitely a part of what we do. Uh, not all the time, but some of it. Uh, yeah, hopefully, I think our guys are excited about it, and um, it, it should be a, a great challenge, but it should be a lot of fun. It feels like a million years ago, but I remember when you were at Folsom, I did come up to a game, I think, to see Jake Browning, and uh, <laughs> I don't think, I, I mean, Corona Centennial runs pretty fast offense. You ran just as fast, if not faster. Um, is that the idea, or is it sort of mixing, you know, putting your talent to what you can do on, on that on that side of the field? Yeah, I mean, at Folsom, we went fast a lot. Um, I've kind of, you know, now it's more, I think of it more like, you know, like a baseball pitcher. If, uh, if you got a great fastball, that can be hard to hit, but you become really dangerous when you throw a change up and then a breaking ball. So we will mix up our tempos. I think that's what makes uh, one of the things that makes us challenging is we can go in and out of different tempos and we'll even huddle sometimes. So um, there's still a lot of the same concepts that we ran at Folsom High School. That's really where the, the offense developed, and it's morphed throughout the years. But, um, yeah, we'll def be going fast will definitely be a part of what we do. A huddle I reject, but uh, anything else I'll, I'll be in full support of. But uh, let's talk about the, the, uh, the, the guys that you got on offense because there's definitely some skill coming in. Tiger Bachmeyer, not a guy that's going to blow you away physically, but, I mean, just catches everything thrown his way for years. He's done that, and. Um, you know, comes from a football family and those kinds of things. Jackson Harris, another guy, a Berkeley kid uh, who, who's very successful that way. Uh, Cedric Irvin at running back. And then Miles Jackson at quarterback, reclassified to 23. Sometimes those guys need a little bit more seasoning, but he seems ready to kind of come in and at least compete for that. Can you just talk about what you got on that side of the ball? Yeah, well, starting with with Miles, you know, you're right. It does take a some time period for anybody really to adjust when you move up a level. But he's a, you know, he's a very accurate uh, player. Um, he's been very productive, which I which I like out of the quarterbacks, just because they they've done it. You know, they went through progressions and and had to see it. Uh, Cedric Irvin, an outstanding guy that will need to come in and, and play right away. Obviously, uh, you know, his father was a great running back at Michigan State. Um, and then you talked about. Tiger Bachmeyer um, recruited his brother as a quarterback a few years back. Uh, I think he was tops in the state in receiving yards. He's got incredible ball skills. He's a great route runner, great body control. He was a pole vaulter, you know, so we know those pole vaulters are a little wild and crazy. They're not afraid to, to do really anything. So he'll catch the ball across, across the middle. And the other receivers are great too. Uh, Amari Borden and talked about CC and, and Jackson Harris from from Berkeley who's really a guy that just started playing football in the COVID season he was a soccer player and he's just increased uh, his skill level and comfortability a lot throughout the year had 73 receptions and almost 1500 yards and 24 receiving touchdowns for a guy that really just started playing football so we feel great about all the skill guys and uh, we got a great class of offensive linemen as well that are uh, really large human beings and uh physical and smart guys and, uh, and very skilled. So, and then we got some great defensive players on the other side of the ball and, and, uh, and some specialists. So we feel like from top to bottom, it's a really good class. And the great thing about it, Adam is, you know, these guys committed, um, before I was the head coach when there was no head coach and, and stayed with us, uh, now that I am the head coach. So, and that, I think that's a tribute to the reputation that Stanford has as, as a university and, uh, in a football program. And, I'm really excited to continue to recruit in the coming years and uh, here at Stanford. I wanted to ask you about the offensive linemen and your philosophy on them. When you go fast, but you still want to run the ball, do you want those high school guys that are 300 plus pounds, or do you want maybe more nimble guys that can move down the field and keep pace with 
what you want to do because for years and and you know it's at Stanford it was get the biggest strongest guys and run it at them and and overpower them that way is there a difference in philosophy or are we going to still kind of see those those big Stanford offensive linemen yeah I mean we like big guys that are really nimble that's what that's what uh, everybody wants right but uh this class those guys are are all of those things and we got you know five that we think can can really play um you know we were People kind of associate this offense with throwing the ball, but we were one of the top rushing offenses in the country this year. And uh, I think seventh maybe in the country and second in our, our conference in the big sky. And uh, you got to, if you're going to win championships, you got to be able to run the football. So uh, that'll be a priority for us to, to be able to run the ball. And that all starts with the, with the offensive line. Troy, you address this a little bit, but, but expand a little bit on it. You, you get to Stanford and, and it's not a thing where, well, I'm going to flip. I'm leaving here because Stanford offers so much more than just the football team. And it's a lot of reason why a lot of these kids go there. How beneficial is that to have it for this recruiting class, but also in the in the, in the future as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's an unbelievable asset for us when you're talking about the combination of a, a, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. And then you combine that with an, what we're going to put on the field, which is incredible football uh, program and product and guys that enjoy playing it. And I don't know that anybody else can offer that. And I know they can offer other things, but I feel like we're very uh, uniquely positioned to attract the best student athletes in the country that really want a great degree and want to play great football. Um, and we, now we may have to go to you know all parts of the country to make it happen, um, but uh, we're willing to do that. But we, I also feel that our name and our reputation and our brand has that kind of pull power. Absolutely. Again, that is new Stanford coach, Troy Taylor. Troy, thanks so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me, Adam. Okay.